myself and a biography of the Duchess of York, as well as other works, I had got to know a number of friends and royal staff reasonably well, and thought I had a fair idea of what was going on behind the wrought iron royal gates. Nothing had prepared me for this. My induction to the truth came courtesy of the man in charge of the tape recorder. I first met Dr. James Colthurst in October 1986 on a routine royal visit when he escorted Diana after she opened a new CAT scanner in his X-ray department at St. Thomas's Hospital in central London. Afterwards, over tea and biscuits, I questioned him about Diana's visit. It soon became clear that Colthurst, an old Etonian and a son of a baronet whose family have owned Blarney Castle in Ireland for more than a century, had known the princess for years. He could become, I thought, a useful contact. We became friends, enjoying games of squash in the St. Thomas's courts before sitting down to large lunches at a nearby Italian restaurant. Chatty but diffuse, James was happy to talk about any subject but the princess. Certainly he had known her well enough to visit her when she was a bachelor girl living with her friends at Colherne Court in Kensington and to listen to her mooning about Prince Charles. They had even gone on a skiing holiday to France with a party of friends. Upon her elevation to the role of Princess of Wales, the easy familiarity which characterised her life was lost, Diana still speaking fondly of her Colhern court, but in the past tense. It was only after she visited St Thomas's that Colthurst and the Princess renewed their friendship, meeting up for lunch every now and again. By degrees he too was admitted into her secret club, and was given glimpses of the real life rather than the fantasy endured by the princess. It was clear that her marriage had failed, and that her husband was having an affair with Camilla Parker Bowles, the wife of his army friend Andrew, who held the curious title of Silver Stick in Waiting to the Queen. Mrs Parker Bowles, who lived near to Highgrove, the Wales's country home, was so close to the prince that she regularly hosted dinners and other gatherings for his friends at his Gloucestershire home. While Colthurst felt he was being let in on a secret, he was not the only one. From the bodyguard who accompanied the prince on his nocturnal visits to Camilla's home at Middlewick House, to the butler and chef ordered to prepare and serve a supper they knew the prince would not be eating as he had gone to see his lover, and the valet who marked up his programmes in the TV listings guide Radio Times to give the impression the prince had spent a quiet evening at home, all those working for the prince and princess were pulled, often against their will, into the deception. His valet, Ken Stronach, became ill with the daily deceit, while their press officer, Dickie Arbiter, found himself in an impossible position, maintaining to the world the illusion of happy families, whilst turning a blind eye to the private distance between them. When Prince Charles broke his arm in a polo accident in June 1990 and was taken to Sirencester Hospital, his staff listened intently to the police radios reporting on the progress of the Princess of Wales on her journey from London to the hospital. They were keenly aware that they had to usher out his first visitor, Camilla Parker Bowles, before Diana arrived. Those in the know realised that the simmering cauldron of deceit, subterfuge and duplicity was going to boil over sooner or later. Every day they asked themselves how long the conspiracy to hoodwink the future queen could continue, perhaps indefinitely, or until the princess was driven mad by those she trusted and admired, who told her time after weary time that Camilla was just a friend.
Her suspicions, they reasoned, were misplaced. The imaginings, as the Queen Mother told her circle, of a silly girl. As Diana was to explain years later in her famous television interview on the BBC's Panorama programme, friends on my husband's side were indicating that I was again unstable, sick, and should be put in a home of some sort in order to get better. I was almost an embarrassment. Far from being the ravings of a madwoman, Diana's suspicions were to prove correct, and the painful awareness of the way that she had been routinely deceived, not just by her husband, but by those inside the royal system, instilled in her an absolute and understandable distrust and contempt for the establishment. They were attitudes that would shape her behaviour for the rest of her life. So, as Colthurst tucked into his chicken Kiev, he watched as Diana toyed with her wilted salad and spoke with a mixture of anger and sadness.